Romans chapter 8, part 9. All right, part 9. Nine parts of one chapter. Wow. Let, let's start in verse 22, and uh, we'll just kind of catch up. I'll just read it right through. Verse 22 of Romans says, For we know, we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Wow. No, that wasn't planned, I promise. That, that was not planned. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what's going on. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And so what Paul is saying to the Roman Christians, those Gentiles and Jews, uh, is that we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we are the first human beings, uh, starting in, the, of course, the first century, we are the first human beings who have the Holy Spirit you know, living inside us, resident in us. We have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he says, we're eagerly awaiting, eagerly waiting for the adoption and redemption of our bodies. Now, now, when you read things like that, you always have to recognize and remember that context determines meaning. So, when he says that um, we are eagerly waiting for the adoption. It does not mean that we have not been adopted. He's saying that this is the final phase of our adoption is redeemed bodies. Redeemed bodies. That's the final phase of our adoption. This is so amazing. We didn't know these things before the Holy Spirit revealed them to us. Jesus, rather, uh, you, you could say, revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He, he uh, Paul gives us greater clarity as he speaks to the Col Colossians by saying, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is one of the, the scriptures I always go to, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's intent is not that you and I would be spoiled children, right? Uh, but he wants to raise us up that we might be productive in the kingdom of God. Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In glory. You and I will appear with him in glory. So we're waiting for that. When Paul talks about us eagerly awaiting, I've given you the example of the Mutzler boys, how they were waiting on their dad, and, and they would be all on tippy toes, just walking on tippy toes. They, were so, they would see him, and they would be little kids, so excited. And I can remember the days when I would be on tippy toes waiting on my dad and mom. So th that's how we are right now, inwardly. We are like on tippy toes waiting on Jesus to come, like excited. We can sense it sometimes, and that's how we move. So Paul says in, in um, Romans 8, 24, he says, For we were saved in this hope. So that God saved us and gave us this hope. It's not, it's not in English, uh, a lot of times, well, in American English. We sometimes, we use hope uh, interchangeably with wishing. But this is not a wishing. This is an expectation of God. And so we were saved within this expectation. And so of seeing God eagerly waiting for the consummation of our salvation. This is amazing. Consummation as in now our faith will become our sight, as it were, our daily experience where there would be no more sin and disgusting things. Yeah, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not a hope. 
So hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, there he goes again, we eagerly wait. We eagerly wait, right? So if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait. So he's saying is you don't, you don't have hope and disappointment at the same time. They don't occupy the same sphere. But we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So that means that we go through these minor difficulties. Paul calls them light afflictions, right? It's light. It's nothing. Paul says, comparatively speaking, all that we go through is light. You say, no, you don't know the pain of my heart. Paul says, still light. This is a man who was beaten five times with a cat of nine tails, you know, a, a whip. I know what a bull whip is, but this was worse than a bull whip. Nine, five times, five times. Three times uh, beaten with rods. Can you imagine a rod? No, if you got to, ever got hit with a broom handle, that's not a rod. <laughs> and I could just see some of you just moms that were, you know, sweeping, and you just coming acting up and just say, get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but three times with a rod, one time stone, a day and a night uh, shipwrecked in the deep, floating on... You know, can you imagine? He says, no, it's, no, light affliction. Light affliction. And so he says, uh, and then uh, Galatians 5, 5, he says, for we through the Spirit. Now, how do you do this waiting? We through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And so we persevere. That means we are steadfast. We are not deterred from our expectation of God. No matter how tough it gets, we still trust God. Now, I know that whenever the Lord says, I will join you, whoever you were. Yeah whoever you are. <laughs> yeah. And so this is how we do it. We do it through the Spirit. So God has given us the Spirit. I don't know if you, some of you are so young, you, you may remember I did uh, a teaching and maybe several uh, uh, teachings on the indomitable Holy Spirit. The indomitable Holy Spirit. And that God gave you a spirit or his spirit, the spirit that is indomitable. That means he is incapable of being dominated. He is incapable of being defeated. There's no way in the world that you can outlast the Holy Spirit. He is indomitable, can never be conquered. And so God placed the, the spirit, his spirit, the Holy Spirit in you that you would be the same. Amen. That's what that looks like. So in verse 26, Paul says, likewise, right? Likewise. Let me go back and read. Um, 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, what does he say? We do not know how to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered or with groanings that are too deep for words. Yeah, we talked about that last time somewhat. So with groanings that are too deep for words. So the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. He makes intercession for the saints of God. That means sanctified ones. That means you're, you're now got your own little statue, right? 
uh, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. All born-again believers are saints. That means they are set-apart ones. All of us are set-apart ones. We are saints. That's, that's the biblical definition of a saint, all right? We are sanctified. When I was a kid growing up, I went to a church that was called the Sanctified Church. And uh, so that meant that every Monday morning, somebody was making fun of us because we belong to the sanctified church, you know? Anybody been to a sanctified church? If you've been to church at all, you've been to a sanctified church. But what they meant was the church that people shouted, you know, they weren't like quiet like you, they'd be shouting right now, you know? And uh, they would wave their hands and sometimes they would do a little dance, you know? And uh, I mean, they, they would do it, man. they would do it. And so when I went back to school on Monday morning, I had to endure it. Yeah, but, but we are all sanctified. All of us are sanctified, set apart for God's exclusive purposes. Let's, let's look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, so the Holy Spirit in you is working by Christ, by the Father, on your behalf. I do know, uh, you know, I, sometimes I can be too technical about some things. I do know that, but I try not to be argumentative about them. But I can be too technical. You see, the Holy Spirit, I've never found where I can tell the Holy Spirit what to do. I've never found it in Scripture. When you find it, you tell me and help me. And, and I do know that sometimes we go through certain gyrations because that's kind of the way we do it. But he listens to the Father he listens to the Son, and he prays for you. He intercedes for you according to what God tells him because he's God too. And so he, he's on that link with God, and he prays according to the will of God. He never misses. Paul implies here that you and I could miss it because when we're going through a difficult time and God is making us better, he's just about to get us made better, and we're praying, God, remove this thing. And God said, no, this is the thing I'm using to make you better. This is the thing I'm using to cause you to call on me because you, you wouldn't call on me if you weren't in this position. See, I know what that feels like. I know. When everything is going right with me, I'm fine. Thank you, Jesus. But when, when they're not, I'm calling on God. I'm on my knees. Now, I have been trained to now get on my knees before things get bad. Are oh, you still with me? So, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, the thing that we want to get rid of is the thing that's drawing us closer to the Lord. So, we don't know how to pray as we are. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then Paul goes on to tell those of us who are sometimes misguided even in our praying. Yes. Verse 28, he tells us, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. All things work together. Good things, bad things. Things I understand and things I don't understand because you are set apart. You are a sanctified one. He says, therefore, you're not like the rest of mankind. All things are working for your good. Thank you, Jesus. For you are, you love God. 
and you are the call, not just called, but the called. You're a part of the called ones, the ones that God called out. The scripture says he called us out of darkness into something, his marvelous light. We are the people of God. You know, and it's an amazing reality. I didn't know that. Even as a child, when I first came to Jesus, when I came to Jesus, of course, I, I, when I came to Jesus, and I thought I first came to Jesus, but there was a time I had to come back to Jesus, but that was, that's okay. We'll, we'll leave that for another day. We are the called according to our purpose and his purpose. And this is what Paul tells us. This is really big stuff. For whom he foreknew, every one of us here who is saved by the blood of Jesus, we were foreknown by God. That doesn't bother me. It bothers some people. We're so denominationally minded. And we are sometimes so doctrinally certain that we don't leave room for anything else. Some people will argue that there's no such thing as predetermination, predestination, or foreknowing. They have issues with it. Because the reason you have issues with it is because you don't know everything. And we live in a created order. Everything that I know about life, practically, except that God is uncreated, but I don't quite really understand uncreated. Even a day after serving the Lord for practically all of my life, I, I still don't really grasp uncreated. I just know it's God. <laughs> and so I don't have a problem with some things that some Christians struggle over and become argumentative about. Somebody says, well, I don't believe in a big bang. I say, well, it could be. Hold on, I say. This could be. I said, but, but if there were a big bang, it was God's big booming voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I know. I mean, I can't say I wasn't there. I don't know what God did. Let there be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like that little boy's sister said, oh, when you talk to Matt, you get sound effects and everything. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, why be argumentative? So we understand creation. We understand because everything I see was created. And so it's very difficult for me to put my, my mind around it, but I say, I believe you. And I believe him because one day he did something in my heart, in my mind, and I just became a believer. Not just the person who wanted, who was grasping at straws, but there was a reality that came to me. No, I don't have to prove science wrong. I don't prove it right. All I say is God is right, and every word of God is correct. And if you, anybody opposes them, they're wrong. Enough said. Hallelujah, somebody. For whom he foreknew, God foreknew you. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God is, is doing all of this in us. He's working out of us, all that he has placed into us. So God now is working out this reality in our daily lives. That's what it looks like. You and I are more like Jesus today than we were when we first began. And God is using all things. What he says, he says, and we know that all things. 
work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Yeah. That blesses me too much. That's, that blesses me too much. That blesses me too much. I, I, I was in a, in a particular country, and uh, we were talking about some things, and uh, several of the people say, oh, uh, uh, Lord, I love you too much. And, and I knew what that meant. I love you too much is like saying, I love you so much. I love you so much. And this is what God wants for us. This is what Paul is inculcating in the lives of the believers in Rome. This is what God wants to do for each of us here in Corpus Christi, Texas, and around the world, in every city, every hamlet, every village. He wants to do this for all of us. God does not want us to be nominal Christians. He does not want you to be Christian in name only. He doesn't want you to be average. Listen what God says in verse 30. He says, moreover, Paul, I love the, his language. Don't you love Paul's the language? It's the Holy Spirit gave him this language. Don't settle. Let me say this. Don't settle for just being okay. Someone said to a, a young student one day, don't strive for sea level because it's easier to sink than to rise at sea level. And so, don't be that kind of Christian. Listen, Paul, he uses the word again. He says, moreover, in verse 30, moreover, like more than that, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified, declared them righteous. And whom he declared righteous, these he also glorified. So what Paul is saying is that, that in the heart of God, God predestined you. When we think of predestination, we have an issue when it comes to God. We don't have an issue when it comes to us. Every time I get on that airplane, I predestine myself. Every time I buy that ticket, I predestine myself to go somewhere in the world. Now, the, problem, the difference between God and me is I can't guarantee I'll get there. That's right. But the Bible says that, that God foreknew you. Yes. There was something that God did before you knew you. Yes. 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 See, I, I, can, I, I can just imagine. I, I know it happened with my children. Before my children knew that I was their daddy, yeah. I was hugging them, kissing them, yeah. bathing them. Yes. They didn't know who that man was. They didn't know who that woman was, their mama. And just because they didn't know who we were did not change the fact that we knew who they were. Yes. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. The Bible says, when I want to let everybody know where I stand, I said, just tell them the Bible said it. I don't say I said it. I said the Bible said it. The Bible says, moreover whom he predestined, God predestined you. He's the only righteous one who had the right of choice. He chose you to be his child. And you proved that God was righteous in time and space by saying one day, oh God, help me. God didn't put his hand on the scale and, and make you say, come to your senses. Predestined. I'm, I'm predestined. 
The eyes don't see it. It's because you still got your blinders on. Listen, God, what God has done for us is so amazing. It's so amazing. Let me get to it. I, I won't be able to get to it. Let me hurry up. Okay. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So what he is saying is, I know there are theologians who disagree with me, and I don't hate them. <laughs> I don't hate them. I just say, oh, wow. I'm going to think, I'm going to chew on it. But he says, he glorified. And they often say, well, the glorified has not come. I say, in the heart of God, it's there. In the heart, in, in my life, in my, in my present day, no, I will be glorified. But, but when God's looking back, he says, you already are. Hallelujah. Because in his mind, he predestined me, he called me, he justified me, and he says, and that's all over. That's what God, that's how I see it. And I'm just going to keep seeing it. So I'm just saying that my future and your future are not so uncertain. Your future is not uncertain. My future is not uncertain. Let's read verse 31. Paul asked the question. What then shall we say to these things? Don't you like that language? He's made his point. It's like, you know, he's a lawyer. He's made his point. And uh, he knows that we're guilty of being sons of God. <laughs> you know, we're guilty of, of being uh, predestined. We're bit, bit, uh, guilty of being called, justified, you know, and all that, you know, and glorified. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Would that the church of God understood that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now listen, listen, he, he brings his closing argument here. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Says, he gave his son to die for you. Jesus' death for you on the cross is not a lost cause. That death is a highly efficacious death. Effective. Whatever God's intent was, it must happen. That's how effective the death of Jesus was for you. So, what is this nonsense that Jesus can speak before time began, sees us in his son, and now somehow time and space can negate the will and purposes of God? Absolutely not. So Paul says, absolutely not. He goes on to say, when we go through all of our difficulties, our trials, even the things that we're trying to unsave ourselves sometimes. He said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? So what are they lying on you about? Old tool pusher I worked with one time, he said, well, he said, when they talking about me, they're letting somebody else rest. <laughs> <laughs> who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Listen, it's God who justifies, declares that you're righteous. What do they say? God says you're righteous. <laughs> who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. 
Not only that, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And, and I mean, it's like Paul's it's, it's, it's his closing argument here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No. Nothing. Nothing. Trial, sickness, nothing. Jesus. Through many dangers, toils, and snares. We have already come. Nothing has been able to snatch us out of his hand. I remember as a young man saying to Jesus, why did you let this trial come? I'm not going to be able to make this. I don't know why you let it come. I'm not going to be able to make it. And I remember one time I was in a little church, a little country church here in, in the city of Corpus Christi. He said, you're going to make it. I said, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. This is what he said to me. I've told Satan, you're going to make it. Oh, you shouldn't have said that, Lord. You shouldn't have said it. Here I am. 50 plus years later, 50 plus years later, here I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Paul says in verse 36, he begins to close. He says, as it is written. And when Paul says, or the Bible says, as it is written, what it says is it cannot be unwritten because it's the holy writ. It's the holy writ. There's nobody that can say, erase it, God. As it is written. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. They were murdered, beheaded, stoned. Paul says we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet... In all these things, not with the absence of them, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Paul wants us to just settle in there. We are more than conquerors. Do not settle for a wimpy, self-centered life. I get myself up and I come to church not because I'm the pastor. I was faithful before I was a pastor. Didn't feel like it. Sometimes heart so broken, didn't want to come in and cry all over everybody. But Paul says, yet in all these things, we're not just conquerors. We're more than what that means is we are super conquerors. It's not like we got into the ring with the enemy and we punched him, punched him, and it was a split decision. 
It said we walked out of there with him knocked out on the floor. More than super, uh, super conquerors. And then he goes on to conclude. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor rulers nor powers he's speaking of supernatural beings then the next time the scientist asks are we alone say read your bible for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing he's talking about everything created only one who's not created is God God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not created. So he says everything else that's created has an issue, has a problem. Nor any other created thing shall be able, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to just end here this morning. This little, a, few, a couple of stanzas maybe. Reminded me of a song, one of the few hymns I could sing, but I won't sing it, but I, I could sing it. I'm reminded of this hymn. It says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit washed in his blood this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long. I'm going to see you at the top. I'm going to see you in heaven. I'm going to see you where the 24 elders are bowing down. How do you know, Don Lavelle? Because I'm the purchase of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Save forever. Save forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.